We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Ripple Bagel and Deli is the home of Indy's original steamed bagel sandwich. It's located in the heart of Broad Ripple, and they're family-owned and operated, proudly serving their customers for over 20 years. They pride themselves on quick, casual dining with over 100 different steamed bagel sandwich options. It truly is a staple in Indianapolis, and a can't-miss breakfast and lunch spot. Ripple Bagel and Deli offers a great friends and family atmosphere where you're always welcome to dine in and be a part of the family, or feel free to bypass any way by conveniently ordering and paying for carryout ahead of time at RippleBagelDeli.com. Ripple Bagel and Deli also offers best-in-class catering anytime, anywhere, with a long list of customers ranging anywhere from law firms to drug reps to several different sports-related clients, including Butler, IUPUI, the Indianapolis Colts, and several visiting NFL teams. They pride themselves on their ability to satisfy all of your catering needs, no matter the occasion or event, and will customize your order provide competitive pricing, and always deliver on time. Ripple Bagel Deli, the home of Indy's original steamed bagel sandwich. This is Tyrese Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. Pacer Nation, welcome back to your go-to Pacers podcast, setting the pace. The Indiana Pacers let this one slip, Bocce. One point loss to the Toronto Raptors after an incredible win against the Atlanta Hawks in the end-season tournament. So I don't even know where to start, but just one of those games where it felt like the Pacers were ahead, and then all of a sudden they just let it go and let it slip right out of their hands. The only thing I'm happy about is we're doing this podcast because I, I hadn't said a word in about 45 minutes. I mean, I sat there right after Buddy's shot didn't go in, and I was just in disbelief being and like, we really let one slip by, just like you said. This was disappointing. I went from being hurt to just, just disappointed because the Pacers officially have the worst defense in the NBA. They're letting up the most points per game. Charlotte was the only team that was worse, and tonight the Pacers once again give up over 
130 points. We talked about it last game. It was not sustainable. And this shows it tonight that you can't just squeak out every single win. Eventually, there's going to be some wins you, you just can't overcome the defense. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, to me, it's like, you know, you can look at the stats and say, well, Toronto got to the foul line a lot more than us. Pascal Siakam lived at the free throw line, mm-hmm. did what he does best. And I think the Pacers need someone like that that's going to draw a lot of fouls. So you can kind of understand why people are like attaching his name to the Pacers when there was trade rumors, because someone like that could just be a, a major change, a major impact player for the Pacers. So we can get to that in a little bit. But I, I think, honestly, when I what I first noticed in the first quarter, I didn't like the idea of subbing Tyrese Halliburton out early. I know Rick Carlisle subbed him out early and they brought in three subs at one point after they were up 22 to 10. I thought they kind of killed that momentum a little bit. They did ended up getting outscored 17, 13. I believe the rest of that quarter, once that change was made and then Halliburton came back in to like finish the first, it's like, we've seen Tyrese in the last, I don't know how many games he's played. It feels like finish the first and the third quarters and then come back in like with like, six minutes in the second or maybe eight minutes in the fourth and kind of like ride him out the whole way. But instead they kind of staggered his minutes and they only played 34 tonight compared to the 38, 39 he played the night before. And I'm sure it was partially because they were on a back-to-back, but at the same time, you got to win these games. If you want any momentum going forward, like that to me is like, you had a good thing going. Why take your foot off the gas, keep your foot on the gas and let these guys cook for the next three to four minutes. And then when they start getting tired, then make your subs. I don't care if you have like a set rotation, which you usually do. They got to fill that one out early on in the game. I know that, that is a good point because I mean, look, in a one point loss, everything matters. One more basket out of Tyrese could could have been the difference. And I think the Pacers started out the game really hot. They did have that momentum that you spoke about, but towards the end, it just felt like Atlanta. Like it was almost at the point where I was like, "Can we hold them under thirty? And we did. And then, sadly, I felt good about that. It was like, wow, the Pacers hadn't held a team below 30 points in the first quarter, dating back to the Bucks game. That was a while ago. Yeah. So I, I felt like, okay, great. Hey, off to a good start. Well, you know what? That that second unit that came in there, it, it bled into that second quarter. Toronto ends up scoring 41 points in the second quarter. That's when I knew, oh, you know, buckle up because we're, we're going to be in for a ride. And uh, on a night like tonight, you know, the bench was thinner. Yeah, no Andrew Nemhart, no Aaron Neesmith. The bench did not really be able to provide really anything tonight, and that, that was really frustrating. Yeah, I will say this. I think that if you have Aaron Neesmith in this game, not even Andrew Nemhart, but if you just have Aaron Neesmith, I think the Pacers win this game. I think so, too. I mean, I'm not trying to be all Mr. Hot Take here, but it's just like his impact on what this team does, whether he's coming off the bench, whether he's starting, it's so impactful. And if you're trying to replace those minutes with a guy like Jordan Wara, who, you know, Tyrese Halliburton talked about it after the game on Sunday. He's like, you know, Jordan's been in a really tough spot this year, hasn't really been given an opportunity, and he finally goes out there, puts up 19 points in garbage time against the Magic. You're thinking, okay, maybe he can build off of this. Maybe he'll get an opportunity because he proved that he's a good player. 0-5 tonight, minus 16 for the game. When he was out there, it felt like this team was just struggling badly. I thought not only was he bad, but I did not enjoy the TJ McConnell minutes either. Once again, I just I feel like TJ McConnell the last couple of games has really been more of a, a problem than he has been a solution for this team. And when Tyrese needs a breather, you got to give someone a chance to run the, the backup point guard spot. But, you know, McConnell hit that corner three in front of the bench in the second half, and it felt like it was a nice momentum swing. But it other was. than that, I felt like the majority of his minutes out there were lackluster. And I'm thinking to myself, can we please just get Ty back in the game? Because it's just 
there's just something about the way McConnell plays. It's like if Ben Matherin has a ball in his hands and, t- and McConnell's spreading the floor, like, uh, there, there's no, there's no space out there. So I, I just feel like as much as TJ is a good guy and he had some good moments against the 76ers, a team that he knows very well, he's been really inconsistent this year and the lack of faith that he has in his three point shot has completely faded. He made one tonight, like I said, but I just felt like his minutes were a negative as well. That's how it's been the last few games. It's been tough. He at least was accurate tonight, three of six. The last few nights have been really rough shooting displays from McConnell. But, yeah, on a night where you don't have Andrew Nemhard, you need T.J. McConnell. And I just don't think that he was able to provide, you know, what you hope to get out of him. He had five fouls, and he was a, he was a minus five. The bench in general was all, you know, in, in the negatives. Uh, ben Matherin, I really hope that this would be an opportunity for him to build on what we saw yesterday. This is a game the Pacers needed him. They yeah. really needed Matherin in this game. This bench unit, I believe they averaged about 52 points per game coming into this. They had 20 points tonight, and, yeah. and, and it wasn't good. I mean, just really, there there was no production. You talk about Jordan Wara. You know, pardon me because I used this joke to you offline. The best thing he did tonight was he missed a three completely airballed it to the point where Halliburton caught it, was able to lay it in for a layup. That was probably the play where I went, okay, hey, you know what? We got a basket out of it. But that was it. And, and I just think tonight Aaron Neesmith, a guy who played, who scored 17 points against Atlanta, there's no way he's not getting a stop or two tonight. And that's what it came down to in the end in a one-point loss was if you could have got one more stop, it might have made all the difference. Yeah, so be- before we get to, like, in the weeds on things, I think we should really talk about that last possession because there's been a lot of discussion on Tyrese needs to take that shot. Tyrese is a guy that needs to do it. Okay, well, if you go back to when Paul George was here, he made comments in the playoffs when C.J. Miles took a wide-open shot and said, mm-hmm. I need to be taking the shots. I'm the guy. Well, the difference is Tyrese Halliburton is a pass-first guy that's learning how to become a, a score-first guy this year. And he's really done a good job of bouncing. And Buddy Hill was on fire tonight. Buddy Hill was incredible in this game. And those two have great chemistry together. We talk about that all the time. But I would say, like, they're they're just so good together that they trust one another. And, and when Buddy Hill had the look, when he took the shot, I said, Oh, he's so far from behind from be he's so far back behind the three-point line. I was like, uh, he's he's kind of pushing a shot a little bit more than normal. And, and so it was one of those ones where you're like, okay, maybe Buddy can hit it. You always have faith when Buddy Hill shoots the ball that there's a chance it's going to go in, and I think Tyree trusted him. They kind of forced Buddy to get open there for a second, but Buddy had time to maybe get a step closer to the three-point line. He was about four or five feet behind it. He could have taken maybe one dribble, got a better look. I don't. I he he has such a quick shot release. I'm not worried about him needing an extra three tenths to get the shot off. Like, no, he's going to get that off quick. People were saying they should have dropped to the basket. Okay, well, it's like you can say that all you want, but this team doesn't have a lot of great players that get foul calls when they drive to the basket if they don't make it. So a Buddy Hield wide open three to me is like a layup almost. The way he was shooting the ball the last two games too, it's like I felt confident with that. It was just where he took the shot from. I think it was the right play. I'm not going to criticize Tyrese for not taking the shot or Buddy for not passing the ball back to him. I thought it was the right shot. It was the best look. If he tries to give the ball back to Tyrese in that situation, Fachi, now you're putting Tyrese in a horrible spot with like a, a second left and he's got to throw a heave up. And now we've seen it last night against the Hawks. Tyrese Halliburton had the ball in his hands. He got stripped and go back to the Hornets game. 
Tyrese Halliburton had the ball in his hands, LaMelo Ball stripped him after he dribbled it off his leg. Tonight, you know, he made the right play and passed it. But I think while Tyrese Halliburton has ascended into a top 10 player conversation, and he's made some massive buckets. It's never been when it's like a one-point game, game in the balance. He's still trying to figure out this season. I should say. Obviously, he had some game winners last year. But this season, he's not yet had that big dagger three to at the buzzer. So I'm excited to kind of see if he can figure things out a little bit more as that lead guy, as he draws more attention. But at the same time, they've had opportunities this year, and they just haven't been able to come up with a W when the game's been in the balance like that instead of like, three minutes left or two minutes left against the, the Cavs or the, the Sixers or something like that. Yeah, I think they've put teams away when they've, they've had a lead or it's tied, but not when trailing. So, uh, yeah, Halbert, look, his his gift, he is the best passer in the NBA. 16 assists tonight. It's crazy to think that you also have the 33 points. But going back to Buddy, Buddy had a good look at it. And I know some people on Twitter were like, what do you mean he had a good look? I mean a good look in, in regards to there was not a defender in his face. To the point where you mentioned, you know, you show the video. Yeah, he could have taken a step in. Maybe Buddy prefers if he's if it's on a, a catch and shoot compared to dribbling. I, I don't know. We'll have to ask Buddy that. But I feel that I'm not worried about the shot because he was on fire. He finished the game 7 of 12 from 3. But yeah. before he missed his last two, he was 7 of 9. And at one point, dating back to last game, he had a stretch where he was like 8 of 8 from 3. You know, dating back to, to last game, might have even nine of nine at one point. You can live with a guy who was as hot as could be taking that shot. It's only afterwards when he misses it that everybody second guesses that you should have drove, you should have did this. Pacers didn't have a timeout. They went to full court. I mean, it, it was a tough spot to be in. If they had a timeout, yeah, maybe things are different. But I, I think that if it was someone else that took the shot, if it was – Bruce Brown, a Miles Turner, Obi Toppin, any, any one of those guys, I would have been like, ah, oh, come on, man, that you got to give that ball to Tyrese or Buddy. But I could live with Buddy taking that shot, given how good he played. He carried the Pacers in the first half. Yeah, I mean, and here's the thing: like LeBron got criticized and still gets criticized all the time if he makes the right pass and doesn't take the shot when the game is on the line. And we're talking about a guy that's six foot nine and can just bulldoze through people and get any foul call that he wants. Tyrese Halliburton, six foot five and about 180 pounds. This guy's not bulldozing through anybody. He's got long arms and he's able to kind of get through some traffic every once in a while. But we see it time after time. Like if he drives to the basket, man, he's really got to sell the contact to get the call. And mm -hmm. he got a call at the end of the game when he drove to the basket, but it was a foul. OG Nobi did bump him. They did. did challenge it. They did lose it. But you're right. It's it's one of those things where it's like. I'm not worried about Tyrese making the right basketball play. Yeah, you want the ball in his hands, but the ball was in his hands, and he made the right play. So it did. It, I'm but not worried about that. I, I think what I'm more worried about is the errors that we had leading up to that moment. You got a terrible three-point shot by Obi Toppin. You brought it up to me before we did bad. the podcast, and I was thinking about it when I watched it live. I'm like, why did he shoot that so soon? He shouldn't have shot that. And it's like, I'm, he's not Buddy Heald. He's not a consistent three-point shooter. I want him doing that. And then what I really hated, I thought that the Pacers should have put Miles Turner back in the game sooner than they did. I felt like he set too long. And Jalen Smith played okay tonight, like had some good moments, had a great block on OG and Anobi. That like, was nice. wrong. That was special. That was insane. But I felt like Miles was really good early on. And I was like, why not ride that hot hand? He's been really steady in this game, efficient, not overthinking things too much. 
But defensively, that Scotty Barnes and one that he gave that, up. That killed me. It was just such a slow reaction. And he, the time he finally reacted, Scotty Barnes is already at the basket. And then he fouls him after. So I it's know. just like, I, I don't know exactly how you change things up there. But we know Scotty Barnes is not a shooter. So he might hit a three every once in a while or an 18-foot jumper. But you live with that. I think Miles got way too close up on that inbound pass and just got beat right off the dribble it's like you got to give him some room and you can use your length to kind of defend that so i thought those two plays to me right there were kind of like daggers for the pacers in that last few minutes of the game that inbounds pass where scotty barnes got the and one i I really do think that was the pivotal part of the game because after that the pacers were really playing catch up it really felt like it was like okay you know you you're you're basically you know not not far along after you're entering that that zone of hey we got to start fouling and Miles was so late on, on his reaction that I didn't even know if they were going to count the foul at one point because I felt like Scotty Barnes had already dunked it. And obviously, yes, it, it was a foul. It was an and one. But I was like, at that point, like, you're already so late that just 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 let him score, you know, because that was pivotal that he makes the free throw and, and just – you know, Halliburton had had a, an opportunity at a layup that, that that didn't go in, and there were chances, especially at that. You know, we talked about it, Buddy Heald's scenario. I mean, Gary Trent Jr. misses both free throws. I mean, the, yeah. there were opportunities, but if we want to really break it down, and, and we got to break it down outside of just, I mean, you could outside of what the score was. Alex, this Pacers team got out rebounded by fifteen boards tonight. Yep. 15, and we talked about the free throw discrepancy. Toronto shot 14 more free throws. So you're talking about 14 more free throw attempts, 15 more rebounds, and they win by one. Yeah, it's a game of inches. You know, that's a football terminology, right? But, Mm -hmm. you know, you talk about the bench. I think the the Pacers had 20 points. You said I think the Raptors ended up having 31 off the bench. So they outscored them by 11 there, and that's been a strength for the Pacers. has been their bench play. Um, We can talk about everything that happened early on, you know, with some of the bad turnovers that were made or, or the starting lineup. I don't know if you liked how they decided to go with the starting lineup and, and put Opie back in for Neesmith. Obviously, I didn't care about that. I thought that made the most sense. Yeah, um, yeah dude, Rick, but Neesmith out, you know. Rick kind of hinted that he wasn't sure if he was going to ride with this group or if he was going to go back to the original starters because they did nothing wrong. But Ben Mather and Slickham's off the bench and, you know, you put Ben in a tough spot because now he's playing with Jordan Mora, someone he's hardly played with at all this year. TJ McConnell, a guy that can't shoot. And then they were playing Bruce Brown a lot in those minutes and Jalen Smith. So it's kind of like, where is the floor spacing? You know, you hope it's Mora, but like you said, he just wasn't like, it wasn't a good game for Jordan Mora, a great opportunity not. for him to prove himself. And then you also had Jairus Walker and Ben Shepard play today in the the Indiana Mad Ants game, so they were not playing in this game either. So you're already down four guys. You basically had a 10-man rotation, and the only guy that doesn't get in the game is Isaiah Jackson, who played great the previous night. And you feel like Toronto, with their length, maybe you give him a chance to do something out there. So, you know, I just felt like this was like you needed Miles, you needed Buddy, you needed Ty to really have a great game, and they, they all played pretty well. It just came down to are they going to be able to make the stops when they need to make the stops? And Miles Turner, one of your best defenders, I think that that blow by dunk from Scotty Barnes really just put a dagger in the heart because the Pacers called a timeout before that and they set up a great play for Tyrese to get a look. 
And I'm like, okay, maybe they've decided, okay, our after timeout plays might be a little bit better than just letting Ty cook. Maybe we can design something to get Ty a better look than just allowing the defense to kind of key in on him at the top of the key. So this to me was a smart decision to call that after timeout play or get that get that play, call timeout, and see what he can do in that. And we scored in it. And like you mentioned, we were out of timeout, so they couldn't do that again. And that's why you just got to be better and you got to just – Focus in on those little details. It's you know Miles giving up that one play. It's not the it's not the game. Yeah, other plays were done like that earlier. But when it's the game's on the on the line, little things like that can't happen if you're trying to separate yourself from being a, a team trying to prove that they're be here versus a team that is here. And I think that's the way I see it now. This team, Fachi, to me is still improvement mode because they haven't been consistent enough this season to make you make me feel like, Oh yeah, they're definitely a playoff team. No, no, that's the problem is every time we finally get that attention, we do something to take a step back. And we talked about it last night. Are you worried about the Toronto game? I said, yes, I am. I am worried about this game because it just felt like uh, you're coming off of such a high that it's easy to kind of like, let your guard down a little bit. And yeah, you know, you could make all the excuses, say whatever, back to back. You know, Albert played 39 minutes. Other guys played a lot of minutes. I get it. It's the NBA. Everyone's got back to backs. It's, it's, it's going to happen. You know, this isn't like the old days where we played, you know, three games and four nights or, or something to four and five. It, it, it's nothing like that. You're going to play back to back. But there were some things that were tough. Like OG makes one three, but it's a big three down the stretch. And it was just like, that was tough to see. Siakam, I felt like he, I felt like he was making a Thanksgiving play out of Indiana Pacers. We just whoever we threw at him, it didn't matter. It was just like I hated seeing you know Buddy guard him at times, whether it's Ob or anyone. It was just like Siakam had his way tonight, and I, I felt like this was one that the Pacers let slip by. I mean, Dennis Schroeder, Schroeder had twenty six points. He looked, he was ten of sixteen. I feel like Schroeder always cooks us. Yeah, I know, and you you even brought that up yesterday. It's like, look, he's like, you know, he's like a pretty good player, but it's just like he went off for 26. It's just like that that can't happen. And, and right now it's just like the Pacers have – I saw a tweet out. They have actually the best offense of all time right now in terms of points per game and offensive rating, and we have the worst defensive rating in the NBA. There's, it can't be like that. I mean, that sounds like something that's like made up. Like, how are you not, like, 27th in defense or something of, of the sort? And if we were, honestly, there's probably two more wins that we get because the Pacers have had such close games that have been high-scoring affairs that on some of them they've come up short. Yeah, it's, it sucks. It really does. And it's like we wanted to really just be excited about another victory before we go into Thanksgiving I, Day. I wanted it. Talking mm-hmm. about a big win, you know, if Buddy Hill hits that three-point shot, the tone oh. of this podcast is totally different. Way different. But at the same time, I, I still think it's important to point out the bad things. Like, there's one thing I noticed in the third quarter, I believe it was. Obi Toppin made a bad pass to Tyrese at the top of the key. And I mm-hmm. think the Raptors ended up getting the steal. And I forget what happened. Maybe there was a foul or something like that. But instead of getting back on D, Obi Toppin just kind of threw his hands up and looked at Tyrese like, my bad, bro. I'm like, you don't have time to apologize. No. You're one of the fastest forwards in the league. Get your butt down there and try to stop the shot from going into the basket. Like, there's little things like that that are just such uh, – you got to pay attention to detail. He also had a terrible pass when Miles Turner was on the baseline. And it's like, okay, first of all, 
Miles was not able to get there. So you let him way too far, number one. Number two, Miles is not someone that has great hands, in my opinion. Miles is not someone that's always going to be catching these super flashy passes that are hard and kind of like when he's not ready for him. Like, you know, him and Ty have figured out some synergy together, but like him and Obi are still trying to figure things out. And it's just like, he's just never been a guy that's had like incredible like hands in terms of catching. Um, so I was like, what are, what are we trying to do here? We're trying to force feed miles. Like I, I get it. Like it's a good, it's a good idea. Obi, but like, are you the right guy to make that play? Probably not. So okay. little things like that. It's like, know your limitations. Don't try to get cute with it. Don't try to overthink it. And all those are important because that's what happens at the end of a game. You know, you go back and look at these plays. It's like everything all counts for a turnover or two points here, three points there. And they just, they just, this team is not complete. And even if they're fully not. healthy, we we know this team is not going to ever be a threat defensively to any opponent. Every single team that we play that has a six foot eight, six foot nine forward, they're going to be licking their chops because they just like we're ready to go to work and take care of business because we have no answer. No matter who we throw out there, we literally have no answer at that big forward position spot. And I think our perimeter defense, like it's okay. But once again, you realize your limitations with this roster and you can only talk about it so much before it becomes boring, but they're never going to separate themselves, in my opinion, from being a legitimate playoff team until they can flip the script on that narrative of being the worst defense in the league. Looking at right now, Alex, everybody has pretty much given us a run for our money other than San Antonio. Uh, like, if you go back, I mean, look, we beat Toronto by one. We beat Atlanta in a ridiculously high-scoring game by five. Orlando took it to us. We, we beat Philly by six. The other game before that, Philly beats us. They score 137. You know, we beat uh, Milwaukee by two. It, it's like even Utah Jazz, they, they dropped 118 on us. It's just like and, – and Utah was honestly up by a, a bunch of points, double digits at one point in that game. Just regardless, mm-hmm. every team has put up – it's like these battles, these fights. And, and it, at some point, the Pacers just need to handle business and play good defense for, for a game or two. I'd love to see it two games in a row, so I know it's not a fluke. But they got to do something because right now when you look at this roster, like we talked about, it, is the growth there from within? Everyone's starting to now put that pressure to be Jarris Walker. Like, you draft him for defense. Get him out there. It's like, can he fix the Pacers being the worst defensive team in the league? No. I he, he can't do that. That comes with everybody having a buy-in, but it just shows that there's massive limits limitations on this team unless they do something completely different you know defensively and I, I don't think that guy is on the roster right now maybe do you think the Pacers at one point could swing a trade but here's the thing after you got rid of Tice you you don't have many contracts to trade unless you're going to part with a, a guy like a buddy or, or or someone like that it's gonna be hard to bring someone in unless you make a massive splash We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day. Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, and I think you got to you know weigh your options properly because you have to realize who's really providing for this team. And I think at this point, with how the Pacers want to play, Buddy Hield's too important. And I think he Buddy Hield with the starting five actually makes a ton of sense. I think two games he's been great. They need spacing bad, and him and Ty just know each other like the back of their hand. So having those two out together, but like it just opens up so much more for Tyrese when he has a shooter like that that's constantly moving. You know, Bruce Brown's a good kind of a corner, like set shooter. He's not someone that's always moving without the basketball like Buddy does, but he's more of a spot shooter. And then you also have Miles, who can kind of be more involved in the pick and pop, pick and roll game with all that spacing out there on the floor. It just allows them to kind of have a more open paint. When you have Matherin out there, who hasn't really been a threat from outside, and then Obi Toppin's been hit or miss, you know, it does kind of make it easier to guard us. So that's why I'm thinking, okay, Aaron Neesmith, and Buddy Hill make more sense stylistically with what they're trying to do. But when you're looking at, you know, who can take this step forward defensively, it's like right now, I don't think there is anybody on this roster that's going to be able to do it. So I think so either. When that when it comes to making a trade, they're gonna to have to cut some ties with maybe somebody they really like. And I don't necessarily think it's gonna be a Buddy Hill or or Bruce Brown at this point. So now you got to figure out because I think Rick Carlisle said it, we have seven starters. We have seven guys that can start the original starting five and then Buddy Hill and Aaron Eastman. So you got seven guys that they feel like they can start. He didn't mention Andrew Nimhart in that conversation, but Andrew Nimhart's making the least amount of money on the roster. So yeah. you, you you consider their $9 million they have in cap space. You throw in Jordan Moore's $3 million plus McConnell's nine. That gets you close to $21 million, something around there. So that could be good enough then you have to figure out, is there somebody else you can throw in that trade to maybe make it work? So I'm not sure exactly who they're going to go after, but yeah, this is, we'll have this an episode is a, down the line for that. <laughs> this is a team though that I think, and I heard Rob Mahoney who was on our podcast last week, talk mm-hmm. with Bill Simmons about this. They're a team that could make a trade in season. And I don't have a problem with that. Jairus Walker sitting right there as someone that could trade. And I know that that sounds crazy, but they brought him in, 19 years old. He kind of fits the system, but Caitlin Cooper kind of mentioned where there might be some concerns with that. He's not playing right now, obviously. They they don't need him to win basketball games. They've got so many young guys already, and if he could be a, a sweetener in a deal to get you as someone that's more established as you're trying to make a playoff run with Tyrese who just wants to win basketball games, I think they have to strongly consider doing that. 
very much depends on who that player is and can he drastically move the needle because I don't think that Jairus Walker is ready, but I also don't think that Jairus Walker has had that many opportunities. You send him to to the Mad Ants, what does he do? 30 points. You know, and I I get it. The the level of competition is drastically different, but it's not like he looked, you know, kind of iffy out there. So I I think that it's going to take him some time, and I don't know who is out there, but I think when you look at this Pacers team and how special they are offensively, you, you got to look to say, okay, you know what? We, we do have assets. We do. I think we could make a move just to be able to say, hey, you know, we don't have to push all the chips in, but I think that this Pacers team does need to make a move, and they have the ability to do it. Like you mentioned, they have ways to be able to get to roughly $21 million without parting with, you know, a, a, a Jarris Walker or someone who is a young, young player of this core. You still have an additional first round pick. You got additional second round picks. Like you can make something happen. Maybe it's not the splashiest of moves, but it's a move that if it can take the Pacers out of being the worst defensive team to maybe being the 25th defensive team, that could go a long way. No, you're right about that. I mean, they just got to get better. And I think if they can get a player that really fills the void, like as much as I've enjoyed some of the moments from Obi Toppin, like he's another $6 million contract you could trade who's on an expiring. If you feel like you need to, I think that he's been good enough that you don't need to trade him. I'm not talking about trades right now, but I'm just saying there are people out there that you don't have to hang on to for your long-term success. So that's kind of where I'm at with everything. I just, I feel like this Pacers team, they're a player or two away from really being a threat in the Eastern conference. And we're seeing it like they're able to play with everybody, but they're also able to lose to anybody. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of like the ups and downs of this team defensively if they can't make any improvements with this roster then um they're not going to get any better defensively they they can change all the schemes they want but until they get the players in here that can help defend this is just going to be a, a lackluster defensive team and i think relying on your offense to carry you to victories every single night it's not a it's not a very good place to put yourself in it's fun. It's great to see 130 points go up and Tyrese Halliburton putting up some massive numbers. But if it results in a loss multiple times throughout the year, when those games could be won, if you just have one or two defensive stops throughout the game, then you got to be kind of kicking yourself. Like we, Tyrese Halliburton is close to having an MVP level season and we can't get him enough help to close the gap to separate us from the play in teams that are in the Eastern Conference. It's like. We we can do more. You look at what Orlando's doing. They're currently the number two seed in the East. They're a really young team. So it's like, hey, awesome. But they're buying into defense completely. For Halliburton, you can't waste an MVP-type season. you got to find a way to, to be able to upgrade this team when the time comes. I think that's why they want to keep that roster spot open instead of just bringing in you know, maybe like a, a James Johnson or a George Hill like we talked about, someone who isn't going to move the needle on the court. Um, but I think from right now, what we're seeing at Obi Toppin, who is having a career year for his standards, and he, he did have now back-to-back, you know, good games. We've seen enough to be like, I don't know if this is really the guy at the four. The Pacers still need to address that. Maybe it's Jarris Walker. Maybe it could be Obi Toppin. There's a lot of the season left, but it makes me still feel like, hmm, like who else could be out there? And I think that the rebounding issue for this team is so real. It's just like 
In the beginning of the year, Turner was actually pulling down double-digit rebounds. Now, I saw coming in tonight, 7.3 rebounds. You can't put it all on, on Turner. The 7.3 rebounds is exactly where he's been. It, it, this is <laughs> I just think that this is who Miles Turner is from a rebounding standpoint. Last year, he averaged 7.5. The year before that, 7.1. He's averaged 7.2 before. That's what you you get out of him and and, and that's okay he, he might not everybody is a 17 and 10 guy but who else is going to grab some rebounds because toronto tonight had multiple guys with over 10 rebounds and then their third leading rebounder had six so we had nothing like that tonight turner led us with eight and then there was a massive drop off after that yeah and i feel like turner kind of gets the short end of the, of the stick here too with his rebounding numbers because he is kind of left to be more of that rim protector mm-hmm. and we kind of talked about that all throughout the Turbonus years too, like Sabonis was able to get more rebounds because he was closer to the basket while Turner was kind of spreading the floor offensively. And then defensively, they wouldn't play them together all the time. So it's like Miles kind of take advantage of it. Now that he's playing a lot more minutes and the numbers really haven't been that much different, I think part of that is because of the style of defense they're playing because when they had McMillan here, they were a much more disciplined team defensively. And I felt like it wasn't as much fun to watch. It was kind of like... Uh, it can be kind of sluggish watching this team play, but you at least knew that Victor Oladipo was going to hit a dagger shot as as the game was in the balance. And 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 right now you kind of feel like Ty can do that, but it's just like we haven't really seen it yet this season. So there's a lot of things I think this Pacers team needs to improve upon. We are excited about where they're heading because I think you know, like even a game like tonight, you know, it can be kind of a trap game. It can kind of be one of those games that you talked about. Coming off of a, a high with a great win against the the Hawks in the end season tournament to clinch that, but I don't think that the starters played bad. I don't think Ty like came in. Starters and played kinda, good. Yeah, they didn't bench come down did. and have a let down. It's just the bench really kind of let them down tonight, and they had to they they dug themselves too many holes too many times. And I think Rick Carlisle and I'm just going to be critical right now probably waited too long to make different substitutions. I, I felt like the substitution patterns were a little bit questionable. And we'll see if they ever go with that same substitution pattern again. But I, I would be shocked if they go with that same group on Friday night. The Pistons are one of the worst teams in the NBA, if not the worst. I'm looking so at it right now. Mm-hmm. They got to win that game, go for in the in season tournament play. But they got to really carry, you know, they got to be able to carry on that success and make it happen against teams that are good, you know. We've seen them beat good teams in the in-season tournament. We've seen them beat the Cavs on the road and have some big wins like that, but they've got to be better. Like You can't be losing games on your home court by one point to the Hornets and the Raptors. No, you can't. I mean, look at this Pacers team right now. They have a loss to Chicago. Chicago is 5-11. and 11. On their home court. Yep. They've lost to Charlotte. Charlotte is 5-9. and nine. Now you lose to Toronto. They're seven and eight. Those are three losses that it's like, come on. We yeah. beat Milwaukee, who's ten and five. We beat Philly, who's ten and five. Like, you know, it's just we have good wins. But now you look at Detroit. This is a team that's averaging a hundred and nine point five points per game. Bottom five in the NBA. I really want to see what the Pacers do because if the Pacers let Detroit score one hundred and twenty five or anything like that. It, we, we got major problems. This is a Detroit team. They are the worst in the league. They are 2-13. and 13. So you have to handle business. But I just wonder how teams like like Detroit and, and, and Portland and, and, you know, teams that are 
they got nothing to really play for right now. How are they that much better defensively than the Pacers? Like we're talking about giving up like 15 points per game less, which is so much. I mean, that is a lot of points to be, you know, a differential in, in what you're giving up in the NBA. It's just way too much. You have to respond against uh, Detroit and Portland in the next few games because the schedule, it, it doesn't get any easier than playing two of the worst teams in the NBA. Yeah, Actually, this the is two, the two worst Okay, teams. well, this is a great opportunity to kind of get themselves back on track and maybe build off of some of that momentum. I know they'll play Miami, Miami I believe, after they play Twice. Portland. So that's one of those things. And I, there could be some in-season tournament stuff thrown in there in between. I'm not sure. But regardless, they've got the heat. I think it is, like you're right, this is back-to-back, it's, right? Mm-hmm. Like a Friday-Sunday yep. thing or a Thursday-Saturday thing? Mm-hmm. What is it Friday-Sunday or Thursday-Saturday? I, I, I don't know. I just know gotcha. that it's back-to-back. Yeah, well, I know they're. it's kind of like the Philly series. They have two games there. So honestly, like if they can go three out of their next four, split with Miami, obviously they got to take care of business against Detroit and Portland. It maybe makes you feel a little bit better about this team, but at the same time, they should have beat they should have beat the Raptors tonight. There's no doubt about it. Tyrese Halliburton played too good. Buddy Hill played too good. Miles Turner, in my opinion, for the most part, played too good for this team to lose that game. So Toronto has had some ups and downs this year. We talked about it before tonight's game. They were two and four of their last six. Almost had a big win over Boston. Lost a close one there, but I just I I don't know. It's just something with this Pacers team that you get excited about it for a minute, and then the moment you get excited and start believing, they kind of rip the rug right underneath you. So I, I just I can't get too high or too low on this team, and I guess that would kind of be a good resemblance of what we talked about, a 500 team. Alex, I got rug burn right now. I do. They did pull the rug right from underneath me, and I don't like the feeling because – the feeling I had last night and when I woke up this morning after beating the Hawks was the feeling of like, oh, oh tell everybody, warn the East, we're coming. And yeah, now it's like kind of ducking my head a little bit like, all right, you know, we're, we're going to take care of Detroit. But it's just we're not there yet. It's, it's, it's upsetting. I looked it up. We play Miami on a Thursday and then a Saturday, okay. November 30th, and then December 2nd. Those are going to be tough games. So – if you can't take care of business against Detroit and Portland, the outlook of this fan base is going to take a hit because there, there's after a win, people are still skeptical. Like, I don't know. After a loss, it feels like the sky is falling for a lot of people, too many people. But eight and six, still two games above 500. Yeah. I think people always got to remember the expectations was never to go to a conference finals. You know, we're, 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 we should be better. Someone already tweeted at me, like, should be 11-3. and three. It's like, okay, all right, look, 11-3, it'd be great, but not everything's going to go perfectly. We don't have to be the best team in the NBA, but you want to see this team hold themselves accountable on the defensive end of things. That is what we all want to see. Yeah, I mean, honestly, they've had a really heavy home schedule, too, to start the year off with. F. And I think that sometimes those road trips early on kind of build team chemistry. And maybe they're missing that a little bit. I think once they get on the road for a few games here in a row and kind of go on a little road trip and just kind of have to develop in different ways, I think it's going to make them stronger. But they, like you said, they just have had too many games where they've not played well or they've not been able to close things out on their home court. And we've seen this Pacers team over a year over the years. Like we were one of the most winningest franchise in terms of like 
home record being a winning record. Like uh, 32 one, years in a row, something of the sort like that. Um, yeah, it was, it was I great. think it was halted the Navy Orkin year. If I'm not it mistaken. was. And that's that's when he had to go. You know, that's he, that's when they knew, like, we've got to get this yeah, guy out of here. He's trash. Exactly. You know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I just, I'm just pulling a Tyrese. He's like, you know, I'm, I was trash. We were trash, whatever. And I don't think they were trash at night, but, you know, too many wins, like, too many losses, I should say, on your home court against teams that you felt like they could have been wins. And we've talked about it <clears throat> a lot, but Orlando, Chicago, Charlotte, and Toronto really stick out to me as those games they should have won, you know. You do get a big one over Milwaukee, but they didn't have Dame. They, you know, Giannis had 54 freaking points against them. They just were able to have a great – they got up for that one because whatever reason, you know, Milwaukee's one of the top teams in the East. It's like they need to treat Toronto and they need to treat Charlotte and treat these teams like they are the upper echelon in the Eastern Conference because if they don't start treating them like that, then they're going to overlook them, and they're not good enough, like I said, to overlook teams right now. So long story short, it's – Happy Thanksgiving for everybody else because we get to celebrate and spend time with our families and not watch film and worry about what's going on on Friday night against the Pistons. But, man, you know, this Pacers team, if you're upset, I understand why, but, like, let's not overkill them, over-criticize them after a loss. It's one of those things where you get to find the balance. But I'm just, I'm just not loving the inconsistency of this team so far, especially the last few weeks. I know. I already had this image being at the Thanksgiving table tomorrow night. My mom being like, "Hey, Michael, can you pass the turkey?" And I'm like muttering under my breath, "Like, should it be Toronto?" You know, just it's like I, I don't want this one to linger. I don't, but it's like I still have in the back of my head, like you mentioned, that that Charlotte loss is tough. We got to be able to move on, and I know that's easier said than done. I hope the Pacers can can turn the page. Still a long season, you know. There's only oh so much of the season where we could say it's still a long season we're still in that area right now look hey we've still seen a lot to be encouraged about there is a lot to be worried about but for right now i, I just want to say hey you know what guys we're still above 500 and that is what a lot of people's expectations were for this year all right before we end things on a sour note just talking about you know this loss and everything it's thanksgiving we already did a food draft but let's close things out here Give me your Mount Rushmore of Thanksgiving food. Mm, all right, really on the spot. I mean, I, I'd probably go with similar stuff. To, I was happy with my draft the other day. I'm, I'm going to go with uh, I love me some stuffing. I absolutely do. Okay. It's 100% on my Mount Rushmore. Um, I I love, like, like, like roasted ham, like honey-glazed ham, honey-glazed ham. What, when Caitlin drafted ham, that was, like, what I really regretted of like maybe I should have moved up in the draft for some ham. So definitely you probably got the could have got ham. stuffing in the third round. M- maybe, maybe, but you know, hey, look, I I, uh, I I fell in love with it. Fell in love with it, and that was my, my draft crush. <laughs> One they probably could have got it later, but yeah. So I'm going with stuffing, honey glazed ham, um, green bean casserole. I, I I very much like it. And then other than that, I probably I probably throw in like some mac and cheese. Mac and cheese, mm-hmm. you know, can't go wrong. What do you got? What's yours? Yeah, I definitely am going to agree with you on the the green bean casserole and the mm, macaroni and yeah, cheese. Yeah, Those are two staples. Mashed potatoes, if they're done right, mm. you got to throw those in there. I feel like those are just really good. They're usually consistent, and everybody always – like it's hard to mess up mashed potatoes unless you make them runny, and then they're not mashed potatoes. They're soupy potatoes. Yeah, but, yeah, I don't like that. Not yeah, my style. That's that's the like the mix that you buy at the, at the store. But if they're real homemade mashed potatoes – they're going to be good. And then probably my number four, this is tough. 
I'm I'm not a big ham or turkey guy. I, I mm, think okay. that's fine. I'll eat it because you turkey, need to eat. Yeah. Overrated. I'm just not even I, I like ham, but I'm not like, oh my god, I gotta pile my plate full of ham like some people I know. So I'm I'm piling it on a little bit. I mean, I'm just talking like big old piles, like Yeah, well yeah, I mean like the pile's not that big. It's not <laughs> overflowing, but it, I, it has its section on my plate. You know? Yeah, I, I'm just I'm I'm holding back on my ham stacking up on my plate. I might put a slice or two on there, but I think you know, I talked to, I drafted dinner rolls, but it's kind of one of those things where it's like you can't rolls, put it on the Mount Rushmore though. No, it's like one of those things you can have. I'm, I'll throw it out there. Uh I'll do uh I'll do pumpkin pie. Okay. All right. You know, Babe did pick up some pumpkin pie. I'm not a really uh, a pumpkin pie guy, but she felt obligated to have pumpkin pie because it's, it felt like a traditional Thanksgiving, yeah. you know, dessert. You know, we so we got it. She did make some mashed potatoes earlier. I sampled it. Phenomenal. Mm. I'm looking forward to it. So we were doing some some prepping today. We are hosting my parents. Oh, it really, really made me feel like an adult. You know, the parents coming to coming to my place for a change. So you guys got a kid hey, now, so that's what makes it all different. Yes, that that is definitely the game changer. But felt felt good, you know, a little bit doing things a little bit differently this year. So I'm happy to hear that you're hosting as well. And for everybody else, while we have an opportunity, just want to say Alex and I we're very thankful for all the support that you guys have given us throughout the year. I mean, honestly, it it means a lot, and it's so great to see that this Pacers team can now back it up with wins because you guys have stood with us. When the wins were a little bit hard to come by, there was a yeah. lot more L's than wins, and you guys did not go anywhere. So we're looking forward to celebrating far more wins with you in the near future. Thank you for the support. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, if I could give every one of you guys a five-star rating and review, I definitely I would. I would. But since I can, if you can give us one, that'd be great. Tell us how much you're thankful like for it. us putting out five episodes a week now for the podcast, right? <laughs> Just kidding. That's such a terrible plug. Uh, but it was a it was a good try, right, ladies and gentlemen? Uh 49 here the night before Thanksgiving. So Fachi and I are gonna wrap this one up. Hope you guys have a great Thanksgiving, like Fachi said. Stuff yourself, but don't get too stuffed where you can enjoy your time off. Make sure you spend plenty of time with family. If you're spending time with family or friends, whatever, just enjoy these moments. Maybe get off your phone a little bit less and just sit back and relax. But don't get off your phone until you listen to this episode. So gotta say that. Thanksgiving, what better way to kill a little time on the toilet than listening to some setting the pace or maybe reading the latest article of the Blue and Golden 10 Thoughts on the Pacers' loss to the Raptors. That's going to be out for you guys tomorrow. But, you know, we're giving you guys plenty of content. Hope you guys enjoy it. If you're Black Friday shopping and you don't want to go with your wife or whoever you're with, your spouse, pop on some setting the pace, get an escape, do what you got to do. We're here for you, ladies and gentlemen. So I think this is probably going to be our last episode of the week. And we might come back on Saturday morning if the Pacers get a victory over the Pistons. Talk about that one. But at the latest, we'll be back Sunday night. So hope you guys have a great weekend. Enjoy that time off. And Fachi, go ahead and let everybody know where they can find us at on social media. Absolutely. So you can find us on Twitter at PacersPodSTP. You can find Alex on Twitter at AlexGoldenNBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F-A-C-C-I. You can find us on Instagram at PacersPodSTP. You can find us on Facebook, Setting the Pace. You can find us on TikTok, Setting the Pace. And Alex, tell them where they can check us out on YouTube. Yeah, you can go to YouTube.com slash Setting the Pace, a Pacers podcast, where you can check out all of our video content, except for the Magic game. That one's going to get lost into the uh, unknown. I saw people commenting on the YouTube channel like, oh, I see you guys missed a Magic game. It's like, we did it on the audio. We're just not doing it on the video. It's there, but I had to edit some of that stuff out of the audio just because it was a little bit 
choppy in certain areas and i'm just like i'm not worried about doing it for the video nobody really cares maybe if you want to hear the audio i can throw that up there with just a picture of me and fachi uh with no video backing it but we're we're going to be putting up the losses not a big deal it just happened to be an issue technical wise why i didn't but pacer fans it's late like i said i'm rambling because i'm tired we love you guys we appreciate you guys and you know what hopefully this pacers team can find some more wins and uh you know, be a little bit more consistent and stick with it, unlike Taylor Swift with all of her boyfriends. Hey, we'll take it. Sorry, Taylor. You got a caught a stray right over there. Hey, I'm just doing that because if anybody knows how much Taylor Swift will cost you, Michael J. Focci knows a little bit about how much Taylor Swift will cost you. That is unfortunately true, but hey, you know what? They say the memories last a lifetime, so hopefully one day that memory pays for itself. Does Does your wife listen to this show faithfully? Okay, so let's ask, uh, let me ask you this. She, she could hear enough through through the wall. So. Let me ask you this quietly. <laughs> you know, what do you got? Any Taylor Swift birthday, or not birthday, but Christmas presents coming your wife's way this year? I have not done my Christmas shopping. I just got through my birthday, which kind of takes over a week of its own. Oh, my God, so, dude, you're you really self-absorbed on your birthday I'm, week. I'm a big, big birthday guy. The birthday just, just happened. We got Thanksgiving tomorrow. Once I can get through that, I will turn my attention to buying Christmas gifts. I mean, you got to get her a Travis Kelsey T-shirt. I'm telling I'm not, you, I'm not doing that. I, I, I know you. It doesn't have to be a Chiefs one. It doesn't have to be a Chiefs one. I'm not getting her like a like a Travis. Kelsey. There's no scenario where we're going to be going out at night. And she's going to be, yeah, I'm just going to put on my Travis Kelsey shirt or jersey on the house. I don't even want her to do that. No. Mm-mm. Bronco country. Yep. Okay. That's right. Okay. Yeah. All right, Fachi. Anyway, if you're excited, the Pacers. Get a day off. Enjoy Thanksgiving with their family. And then get back to maybe go 4-0 and then season tournament play against the Detroit Pistons on Friday night. Then hit me with those three words. Let's go Pacers. Setting the pace, going to the top. Setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast. Sweeping every team. We gonna need a mop. Smooth. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.